the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We have had Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio on the show previously, and I'm happy to say we're going to have Matt on the show a lot more. And so we welcome Matt of Opportunity Ohio online, opportunityohio.org. And Matt, you are a business specialist. You also, I think, have great insight into political matters. And so let's tackle some things in those two genres right now. And eyebrows went up all over the state when Heartland Bank uh, named John Husted a director. And a lot of people would say, whoa, wait a minute, the lieutenant governor on a bank board, that seems like a conflict of interest. Where does that stand and what's your view of it? Yeah, so they, you know, they announced uh, that apparently he had joined a first Heartland Bank board back in March that they then kept secret. And then when he joined the second parent company board for Heartland Bank earlier this week, they then finally uh, announced that he had joined it. And they're refusing to say how much he's being paid. He is being paid. Uh, and, and yeah, it seems to me this is one of those questions of we shouldn't be asking, can he get away with it? We should be asking, should he do it? And he has already paid $176,300 by taxpayers to be lieutenant governor and the director of innovation for the state of Ohio. Adding a private sector job onto that, it seems to me it is rife with conflicts of interest, whether it's directly for the bank that has business in front of the state or, frankly, Bruce, as you know, banks have a ton of clients, mm, right? Yeah. So is this now going to become how many, How often are we going to have to worry about a bank client of Heartland getting treatment if they have an issue in front of the state? Or are companies now going to move to Heartland Bank because they can go, oh, well, look, one of the directors is lieutenant governor. We got an issue. We got a pipeline. I, there's just real and perceived conflicts of interest that make this a very bad decision. And no lieutenant governor or governor that I know of in the history of Ohio has done this. So this is unprecedented. And it just it is putting greed uh, ahead of what's the smart business thing to do. And frankly, on the heels of House Bill 6, the energy scandal, it just continues to make the Republican Party in Ohio look like they are drunk on power. You know what? We've got super majorities. We, we own everything. We won by 8% with Trump uh, you know, in 2020. We can do what we want, and there's not much anybody can do about it. That's what it looks and feels like to me. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I'm inherently skeptical of it. And in our first interaction on this on email, I said that I was surprised during the primary campaign to hear from Joe Knopp, who was the lieutenant governor on Jim Renacci's ticket, that lieutenant governor in the state of Ohio is considered a part-time job. I didn't know it paid 176000 I'd love a part-time job like that. I'd love a full-time job like that. So Husted can't be blind to this. I mean, I don't think he's a dope. He knows this looks bad. I mean, I look at he 
trumpeted his role in Intel coming to Ohio. And with all the building and all the projects and everything going on, that requires capital. And that's you go to a bank to get that. And if he's on the bank board, he can't be blind to the conflict of interest. Has he answered questions about why he feels like it's necessary for him to do this? He is not. I mean, all he said apparently in one article I saw was that he and his wife had invested in the bank and then therefore joined the board. And I'm like, well, golly, is that how easy it is? Because I've got investments in lots of different companies, but I've never been asked to join the board. Like, how does that work? And and let me just, for your listeners, give you a little bit of background, because you mentioned the lieutenant governor. The lieutenant governor pays only $113,000. And this is what John Husted did this with Mary Taylor. Mike DeWine has done this with John Husted. I find it unseemly to begin with, which is they say, oh, but we, we don't want to make that little money. So can we have another cabinet post that allows us to then get paid the higher salary, 176.3, which is making more than Mike DeWine makes as governor. Mike, I think Mike makes 145. So they, they make they, they create the second job that they then carry so that they get the higher salary of a of a pseudo cabinet director. So again, like there's already in my mind some unseemliness with how they kind of shuffle around the the job titles in order to get John higher pay, and as they did with Mary Taylor under John Kasich. But yeah, when you think about this, John's a smart guy. He's, you know, I I don't, I don't, you know, he has no private sector experience, so he has to know Heartland Bank's interest in him is because of his connections. It's very, it's, I mean, it feels to me very much like Hunter Biden. I was going to say, it's Hunter Biden esque. It sounds Hunter Biden esque. It really does, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Hunter got on the board of Prisma not because he has energy experience, it's because he had contacts in the federal government in the U.S. that would help Burisma, and that's what this feels like. Why else would you put John Husted, who's been a career politician since early in his career for the last 22 years, on a board? And and why now? What what's the urgency to get on the board today versus four and a half years from now when he leaves office? Yeah, you know, most politicians have the decency to cash out after they leave office. He's cashing out while he's in office. And again, I, I don't care that there's a loophole that we need to close, by the way, in, in state law that allows this, if it does. Should he do it? And the answer clearly, it seems to me, is no. This is a bad decision. It's, it's putting you know greed and in, in, in picking up a few more bucks to cover college expenses for his kids, I guess, I don't know, ahead of what's the right decision for the taxpayers, who he represents, by the way. Yes, no doubt about it. Matt Mayer is our guest. Matt's with Opportunity Ohio. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ohio Matt. Opportunity Ohio is online at opportunityohio.org. Let's switch for a second. Republican power doesn't always uh, result in getting your way. Look no further than the legislative maps fiasco, which now, again, is still not settled. Maureen O'Connor, I mean, if Maureen O'Connor, the the chief justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, were on Monday Night Raw— uh, would she have, have done what they call a heel turn, where a good guy goes bad guy? Because <laughs> she's the fly in the ointment here, why these maps cannot get approved. Do you think she's overstepping her bounds, or the court is overstepping its bounds in ruling in this and continuing to make it an ongoing, unsettled issue? Of course she is. This, this, do you know what this is about? I do Maureen not. Maureen O'Connor is mad that the legislature in Mike DeWine refused to extend the retirement age for Supreme Court justices. So she's she's essentially forced to, to leave the court when she doesn't want to. Yeah, end of the year. So in, in, to, for retribution, this is what she's doing. She's blocking maps that she knows are constitutional under the Ohio Constitution because she's getting payback with the last, you know, you know such a year of her service on the court in order to essentially thwart the Republicans so she can kind of give them a good old, you know, 
bird as she's walking yeah. out the door. That's that's what this is about because it's absurd. I mean, she has colleagues who are saying, "What are you talking about? There's no requirement that you're that you keep adding into this." And so she's forcing this kind of extra constitutional process that that is just an abuse of power, frankly. And, and you know, at some point, I hope I hope somebody does something about it. But yeah, this is all about her wanting to have the have the time limit for retirement extended. The party refused. And so now she's getting payback. It, it's really unseemly, and, it, it, and it's wrong. And costing the state of Ohio, the taxpayers of the state of Ohio, millions of dollars by making us hold two different elections. And to bolster your point that the maps are fine, I have never been able to make sense, Matt, of the fact that right now oh, the Republicans in Ohio, through the will of the voter, has a 64-35 edge in the House. The maps she says are not fair would create a 54-45 majority for Republicans in the House. The Senate is 25-8 right now. The maps that she says aren't constitutional and that the Dems whine are not fair to them would create an 18-15 Republican majority. So it's laughable to me because the numbers don't make sense. Well, that's because she's pushing, she's looking at the broader numbers of party registration and, and, and percent votes. Oh, it's really a 54-46 state. So the, you know, the fact that they have these super majorities is because they've been messing around with the map. And it's like, oh, okay, well, the, the map the map, map got approved the last time around that led to this. Why didn't that, why wasn't that unconstitutional? So again, had they done the extended the retirement age for the Supreme Court, I'm quite confident Maureen O'Connor suddenly would be voting uh, to, to uphold these maps and would have. And as you said, you know, this this tantrum is now costing Ohioans millions of dollars to having to do two primary elections, uh, causing huge amounts of it, uh, of uncertainty among people who would like to run for office, but have no idea which district they're going to be in. And at the end of the day, you know, more evidence to make Ohio look like a laughing stock among the country, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have much more to discuss, House Bill 616 and all the things that go with Intel's expansion into central Ohio, but we'll have to leave it there for now. We'll have Matt back next week. Matt Mayer, Opportunity Ohio. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt. Matt, great to have you as a part of the program or as a recurring role on the program. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Hey, you too, Bruce. Thanks for having me. You know, he makes a great point, the point about people not knowing what district they're running in. I know people who are running for the state legislature who want to get in as state senators or as House of Representatives in the Ohio House. They don't even know what district they're in. This is nuts. All because Maureen O'Connor got her feelings hurt when she's told she's too old to do the job anymore. Yeah. Really nice. Wrapping up the show, wrapping up the week of shows, wishing you a reflective Memorial Day. Have fun, go to parades, have a cookout, enjoy the day off. But remember, there's a lot of sacrifice has been made for us to have the freedoms that we have. And to, if you are a praying person, think about those who, for whom Memorial Day is somewhat, if not entirely, a sad day because it forces them to pause and remember a family member who gave their life in service to our country. I've been watching uh, during the commercial the press conference in Uvalde, Texas. We're getting more details about the timeline. And uh, an interesting phenomenon is at work here, right? The uh, the view that I have of this from the news reports I'm watching and the online reports that I'm 
getting via social media. The people on the right are doing everything they can to exonerate the police and support the police. And the people on the left are doing everything they can to demonize the police and blame the police. Didn't go in fast enough, whatever. Look, anybody should be bothered by the fact that there were 19 officers, and that's a gruesome coincidence. There are 19 officers in the hallway of that school and that there are 19 children killed and that they waited 45 minutes after there were 19 officers in that hallway to go into the room and kill the shooter. The decisions were made, I'm sure, with the best information they thought they had at the time, that everybody in the room was either was probably already dead is what they thought, So we have a barricaded shooter. There's no reason to put law enforcement in danger. I'm not going to try to find excuses, make excuses. They should have stormed the door sooner, and they admit that today at the press conference. But whatever you hear about this incident, remember that not everybody there failed. Not everybody there failed. An officer with U.S. Customs and Border Patrol was getting his hair cut nearby when he heard or got a text from his wife that there was an active shooter at the school. His wife and daughter were in the school. He grabbed his barber's shotgun and ran to the school, went in a door, and got students out. There are heroic acts amid decisions made that, in hindsight, should have been made different. The other thing that's interesting to me is even now when we hear solutions posed for school shootings, people on the right say put armed officers in schools, and people on the left say no, you'll scare the kids. We don't, want, we don't want armed people in schools. They're the very ones now demonizing police who were armed in a school. They're demonizing those police for not going in sooner. So which is it? Do you want armed police there? You wanted the ones who were there to go in sooner, but you don't want to put more there. And as is so often the case, the positions of the left make no sense, and the histrionic screechings of liberals um, are evident everywhere you look on this. Let me just give you a couple examples. Amelia Robinson, who is one of the most unqualified people for the position that she has as Columbus Dispatch Opinion and Community Engagement Editor, she is <laughs> she is complete. She is such a simpleton when it comes to making sense of complex issues, or not even remotely complex issues. And she presents the common false narrative that, uh, that all that Beto O'Rourke, that Joe Biden, that Chuck Schumer, that every Democrat poses, which is if you don't do what I tell you to do to fix this, if you disagree with my solution to fixing this, then you don't care about little kids and you want to see them murdered in schools. It is an insulting, vapid, self-absorbed lie that they tell. And Amelia Robinson, I'm not surprised because she does this virtually every time she puts her fingers to a keyboard. Her paragraph from her stupid editorial today in the dispatch, do we really care that 19 little kids and two teachers were mowed down by bullets in a Texas school less than two weeks after shoppers were massacred in a grocery store in Buffalo and elderly church members fought for their lives after being ambushed in a Southern California, in Southern California as they lunch? Do we really care? Do we really care? Amelia Robinson, do you really think people don't care? Do you really think people don't care? That is such an insulting question to ask. It is possible to care and not know a solution or not be able to brainstorm a completely foolproof solution. And for people not to get on board with what you think about it does not mean they do not care. 
If our elected officials don't care enough to stop the insanity, do we? So elected officials don't care? Really? And if they don't care, then we should care and we should do what? It is supposedly a government of the people. This is ironic that you raise this, Amelia Robinson. It is supposedly a government of the people. I know this bothers you, but it is a government of the people. And the fact of the matter is, elected officials do eventually what their constituents tell them to do. And while you may not like it, and decidedly do not like it, the people elected to represent people across the state of Ohio and across the country, the electoral support for taking people's guns away does not exist because people understand that people like you and the people who populate the party that you clearly support cannot be trusted with the freedom to simply spout empty-headed solutions at the snap of a finger, something as stupid as, well, let's take all the AR-15s away and every school shooting will stop. So no, we are not going to empower you to override the wisdom of Thomas Jefferson and the other founders who put the Second Amendment in the Constitution for a reason. And you know what? You're the reason. People who think like you are the reason why it's in there. Now, Andrew Ginther is also a dishonest broker. Andrew Ginther, the mayor of Columbus, who has presided over the deadliest years in murders in Columbus in the history of the city, is a congenital liar on these matters. He said at a press conference yesterday, we are going to spend whatever it takes to make our city safe. This is an impossible objective, and he well knows it. And I wonder why Bethany Bruner of the Dispatch, who apparently was there because she's writing the story, didn't have the clarity to say, Mr. Mayor, how do you intend to get the money to spend whatever it takes to make the city safer? And what would that entail? And how do you propose to do that? But instead, she allows Andrew Ginther to spout empty platitudes about he's going to do everything and spend whatever it takes to make our city safe. How much will you have to spend, Andrew Ginther? Where will you get that money? What will you do with that money? City Council member Emmanuel Ramey, prisoner to the same stupidity, chairman of the council's public safety committee. No wonder we have as many murders as we do with an empty head like this in charge of it. His quote, there is no price you can put on the feeling of safety within our community, and we will do what it takes to make sure everyone feels safe in the city of Columbus. What are you waiting for then? Do it. Do it. We had a 19-year-old shot dead in southwest Columbus yesterday. We had little kids assassinated in a car a couple of months ago. We have teenagers in Columbus murdered routinely. Are you waiting for June 1st? Are you waiting for July 1st? What are you waiting for, Emmanuel Remy? We will do what it takes to make sure everyone feels safe in the city of Columbus. No, you won't, because you can't. And if you could, why you would be waiting to do it is inexcusable. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.